Our next scripture reading comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 3. If you've got an iPhone or Android, I would tell you to turn to that text, John chapter 3, verses 16 to 21, or if you've brought a Bible like me, I'd love for you to turn there with me. However, before I read God's word, let's call upon his spirit again to guide us in the reading and, and the preaching of his holy word. Please join me as we pray. Heavenly Father, as we turn to these familiar words during this Advent season, I pray that by your Holy Spirit you might speak afresh and anew to us, that we might hear what you want us to hear, that we might see what you want us to see, that our hearts might be opened and transformed at the reading and the preaching of your Holy Word. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your holy sight. Through your Son's precious name we pray, and all God's people said, Amen. John chapter 3, beginning with verse 16. Listen to God's word. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and people loved darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed." Whatever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Here ends the reading of God's word as the prophet Isaiah tells us, the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. This is probably the most famous verse of Scripture in all of the Bible. It's a beautiful summary of the gospel. In fact, the 1970s, during the Jesus movement, many people were intentionally making really large signs with John 3.16 on it. They would hold it at different sporting events so that as people watched the sporting event at the stadium or even on television, they would see John 3.16 and they would wonder, what does that say? And, and hopefully they would look it up and hear the good news of God's great love for all of us here today. In fact, Tim Tebow, before he played baseball, he was actually a Heisman Trophy uh, football player, and uh, he was in the 2009 National Championship game against the Sooners, and, as, with playing for the Florida Gators, I know there's a Sooner back here, but uh, anyway, he was playing, and he, on his uh, eye black, he put John 3.16, hoping that maybe people would look that up. Well, during the game, 94 million people Googled John 3.16. That's amazing. Now, if you ask Tim Tebow about it, he'll tell you he was surprised that 94 million people didn't already know what John 3.16 says, right? I mean, we should be promoting this verse every chance we get. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. John 3.16 helps us see how much God loves the world, everyone. In fact, the Greek word for world there is cosmos. We get the English word cosmos from cosmos. For God so loved the cosmos, the universe, all of creation so much that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting eternal life. 
Unfortunately, as much as we love John 3.16, I'm afraid that there's a more there's a different verse that's becoming more popular. I recently read a, 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 a article in the Christian Post by Greg Lowry, who, Lowry who's, a, who's a pastor, and he pointed out that the vo- scripture verse that he's hearing quoted more often than John 3.16 these days is actually Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. It's being quoted by uh, many non-believers, unfortunately. Matthew 7, verse 1, you may not have that one memorized, but it says, judge not that you not be judged goes on to explain, for with the judgment you pronounce, you'll be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. It's in the middle of the sermon, towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, 1. Judge not that you not be judged. Many non-Christians are saying this to, to Christians, saying, well, doesn't your Bible say, judge not that you not be judged? Because unfortunately, the non-believer today in America is often feeling judgment, condemnation, rather than love. Reminds me that when I was the uh, camp director at the boys' camp at Mo Ranch in Hunt, Texas uh, one summer, I was leading a Bible study with a bunch of camp counselors, and we were talking about our favorite verse of Scripture, and we went around the circle, and everyone shared their favorite verse of Scripture, and, and one of the counselors said that his favorite verse of Scripture was John three seventeen, which is a great verse, but I, I thought he had made a mistake. I said, don't you mean John three sixteen? He said, no, no, I, I know that one, but John three seventeen is my, my favorite verse because it says, for God uh, sent his Son to the world not to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. God sent his son to the world not to condemn the world, but the world might be saved through him. Well, I asked this counselor, why is John 3, 17 your favorite verse? He said, well, sadly, as I think about the church today and many Christians in America today, we are quick to condemn those who don't believe in Jesus rather than to recognize that Jesus came to save us all. Those words have stuck with me, and that was back in the 90s. How often people feel condemnation rather than love. Although it is true, if you continue to read our passage in John 3.18, Jesus says quite clearly, whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only Son of God. If you don't believe, you stand condemned according to Jesus. Now, this is kind of hard for us to hear in this 21st century postmodern world that we live in where there's so many different religious religions and different worldviews. I mean, it seems kind of narrow to say that if you don't believe in Jesus, you already stand condemned. Because I know a lot of kind Hindus and, and Muslims have done a, done a lot of really good things, and yet, according to Jesus, they stand condemned. How can Jesus say such a thing? Of course, the truth is, without Jesus, we all stand condemned. For as the Apostle Paul explains in Romans chapter 3, verses 23 and 24, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. As we talked about last Sunday, Jesus is the greatest gift the world has ever known. And this gift is intended to be shared with others. We don't simply receive the gift of grace and the gift of eternal life that comes through Jesus Christ. We're supposed to receive it, yes, but we're also called to share that with others so they too might be saved, so they too might have the assurance of eternal life and the gift of a new life that only comes through Him. Because if you read all of John 3, it's about being born again. It's about changing. It's about becoming more like Christ, being born of the Spirit and the water. Reminds me... uh, Many years ago, my wife and I had an opportunity to go on a mission trip to Cuba where we did door-to-door evangelism. And as I would share the gospel with these Cubans, I I would always start off with John 3.16. I would let them know that, that God loves them, that God loves them so much that he sent his one and only son here to this earth so that if they believe in him, they can have eternal life in him. Yes, God loves you. 
And then I would share with them and ask, has anyone ever taken you through the Bible and shown you how you could be assured of eternal life? Many of these Cubans said, no, they, they hadn't. And I said, well, well, may I do so? And so I took them to Romans 3, 23 and said, God loves you, but, but there's a problem. Hay una problema, as they would say in Spanish. There's a problem, and the problem is, is that we have sin. As you read in Romans 3, 23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Then I would take them to Romans 6, 23 and just read the first part of that. For the wage of sin is death. As we all stand before God's judgment seat, we're all going to be found guilty of sin. We, we haven't done what we were supposed to do, and we often do things that we should never do. And God is holy and perfect, and, and our sin separates us from God. But the good news is, I bueno noticias, as they like to say in, in Spanish, is found in Romans 5, verse 8. And I would have them turn to Romans 5, 8 and have them read it with me. God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Yes, it's true that we all have sin in our lives. There's things that we, we have done that we should have never done, and there's thing that's, things that we fail to do that we ought to do. We do fall short of God's glory, God's plan for our lives. But the good news is God doesn't abandon us in our sin. But the good news of Christmas is that God became one of us. He's born as a baby in a lowly manger. This holy child grew up among us, and he began to teach us and heal us, and ultimately he died on a cross as the perfect sacrifice for our sins so that all of our sins were atoned for. As Jesus says in the Gospel of John, it is finished. Our sins have been atoned for. And then on the third day, he rose again, conquering both sin and death on our behalf so that we could have the assurance of eternal life and the gift of a new life if we simply come to him in faith. And then I would tell the uh, Cuban that I was talking to, I would say, Un regalo, un regalo para ti, a gift for you. And they would take the Bible that I, tu necesitas recibir el regalo para tener el regalo. You have to receive the gift in order to have the gift. We receive the gift of Jesus Christ, the new life that he came to bring, the eternal life that he assures all of us simply through faith. And I would ask them, is there anything preventing you from trusting in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior today? And by God's amazing grace, 90% of the Cubans that I spoke to all said, no, there's nothing preventing me from trusting in Jesus Christ. I would like to have this relationship today. I would like to commit my life to Christ today. And so we would pray that they might open their hearts to Christ, affirming what it is they believed. As Romans 10, 9 tells us that if you confess with your lips Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. In fact, those are four verses that are great to memorize. Romans 3, 23. Romans 6.23, Romans 5.8, and Romans 10.9. It's known as the Romans Road. It's a very easy way to share the gospel as you share it along with John 3.16. You know, what's interesting, though. If I give that very same presentation here in the United States, about half the time, Americans will say, yeah, I'm not really interested in that. I, I think there are too many different religions in the world today. I don't really want to become a Christian. Why is it that Americans today are so resistant to the gospel. I think Jesus explains it in the rest of our passage, picking up with verse 19. Jesus says, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed Whoever does what is true comes to light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. You see, as we draw near to the light of Christ, 
and his holiness and his purity and his goodness. We are overwhelmed by his holiness and we're reminded of our own sinfulness. We see how far we fall short of his glory. Reminds me when I was a kid growing up in Midland, Texas, um, in my, our first house growing up, uh, they started to build some new houses in our neighborhood. And uh, one Friday, they, they stirred up a whole bunch of dirt and made these big dirt mounds as they were getting ready to lay a foundation. And so that Saturday, my friends and I got on our dirt bikes and we began to ride up and down these dirt hills. It was a great time. We had a lot of fun. In fact, we rode our bikes until the sunset, literally until it was dark. Well, as I walked into my house that evening, I opened the door, and as soon as I opened the door and stepped into the light, my mom said, stand still, mister, don't you move another step. You're so dirty. I don't want you dragging that dirt into this house. I said, what are you talking about, mom? And I looked at my pants and my shirt and my arms, and I was covered in a thin layer of dirt. I had no idea how dirty I was until I came into the light of our house. You know, coming to the light of Christ is a humbling experience. We see how holy and good and loving Jesus is, and we recognize that, well, that we don't measure up. But the good news of the gospel is that God doesn't abandon us in our sin. He actually becomes one of us. He came to save us, not to condemn us. As Jesus says in John 8, verse 12, and it's on the front of your bulletin, Jesus says, I am the light of the world Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The light that Jesus came to bring is a light that illuminates and helps us see clearly just how much God loves each one of us. For as we look at the light of Christ, we see that we have a God who loves us unconditionally, sacrificially, very generously. For God doesn't love us this much. He loves us this much. God loves you, John, this much. Andrew, he loves you this much. Trent, he loves you this much. Tony, God loves you this much. And there is no greater love than this than a man who's willing to die for his friends. Yes, the good news of the gospel is just how much God loves us. For God so loved the world. And we reflect the light of Christ best when we love others with that same unconditional, sacrificial, generous love that we have received from Christ. How is God calling you to reflect the love of Christ this Christmas season? What is one way, one tangible way that you might love your neighbor as Christ has first loved us? You know, one of the ministries that I'm most excited about in our church today is uh, Compassionate Chefs. Uh, one of the things that the women's ministry of our church is doing is they're, they're baking meals and then they're freezing those meals and delivering those meals to anyone who might have to be quarantined because of COVID-19. If you uh, online have to be quarantined and you're in need of a meal, call the church, call Emily Wood or call Murray Gossett and we will deliver a meal to you. If you're a woman here in this church or a man who likes to cook and you'd like to make a dish, we would love to, to take that dish and freeze it so that we might deliver it to those who need food in the midst of this horrible pandemic. Yes, how is God calling you to love others? with the same love that we've received from Christ. For we reflect the love of God, the light of Christ best, when we love others. You know, last Sunday I shared one way we can love God is by giving gifts, gifts that ultimately point to Jesus, right? The reason for the season, the great uh, love of God, the great light of Christ. And one of the gifts I recommended was this book by Timothy Keller, God's Wisdom for Navigating Life. And it's a great daily devotional through the Proverbs. And I was reading this Thursday, December 3rd, 
And it was on Proverbs 3.27, which says this, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Proverbs 3, verse 27. Then Tim Keller goes on to write, The world is God's. I think we've got the quote there we want to share. The world is God's, and if He's given you more of it to steward than someone else, that does not mean it belongs wholly to you. Like any steward, you must use the true owner's wealth as he wishes it to be used. To quote Basil the Great, from, who lived from A.D. 329 to 379, the bread which you keep belongs to the hungry, the coats in your closet to the naked, those shoes to the shoeless, the gold you've hidden to the needy. Therefore, as often as you were able to help others and refused, so often did you do them wrong. As I read these words, I was cut to the heart because the very previous day on Wednesday, on my way to work, I was trying to get to the church by 8 a.m. for a meeting, and it was around 7.55 a.m., and I, I got off the highway and was turning left on Washington Avenue. As I was driving, I saw this man in 20-degree weather walking with just a blanket around him. And I thought to myself, oh man, I wish this man had a coat or a jacket. And I wanted to stop over and talk to him, but I was running late and I didn't have time. And so I made my way to the church so I could go to this meeting. But inside I thought, man, I should have stopped. Well, then when I went home that evening and I took off my jacket that I had been wearing, my very warm jacket, and I took it off to hang it in my closet, I had to move all these other coats out of the way to put my one jacket down. I thought, man, if, one, if that guy on the street had just had one of these jackets that I have hanging here in my closet that I can't wear nearly as much as I need to. Gosh, why didn't I give a jacket? And just to make sure God drove home the point, I read this text the very next morning. Like, go give some stuff away. And so uh, yesterday what I did is I went through my closet and I found coats and jackets that I hadn't worn in over two years or shirts or, or pants that I haven't worn in over two years and I donated all of them. I mean, there's someone else could use them during this winter season. What do you have that maybe you're not using? You might donate, that you might give. Because we reflect the light of Christ best when we love others. You know, during this pandemic, another way that we can love others is actually by, well, by donating blood. Uh, I understand the blood banks are kind of low. They were up at the high school recently. Uh, in fact, our church was a, a donation spot uh, several weeks ago, and if you do it, they'll give you one of these cool t-shirts uh, from the uh, Coffin Memorial Blood Center, if that's not enough inspiration enough. But if you have actually survived COVID, your blood is actually very valuable because they could use the plasma from that to literally help save lives. What is God calling you to give this Christmas season? How is God calling you to love your neighbor so that you might reflect the light of Christ? You know, every Christmas, we go to great lengths to put up Christmas lights. In fact, the day after Thanksgiving, my daughter Elizabeth put up our Christmas lights at our house while the rest of us were raking leaves. She did a very good job. You can go by our house uh, and puck it and see it if you'd like. But uh, I can't wait to go to Wolfland uh, later to, to look at the lights there. They do always the best job. It's a great neighborhood to see Christmas lights. I love Christmas lights. It just brings all the, the radiance and the joy of the season. But at Christmas, there's really only one light that we need to focus our eyes on. That's Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ is the light of the world, is the one who helps illuminate just how much God loves the world. God loves all of us with an unconditional, sacrificial, generous love. How is God calling you to share that light, that love, this Christmas? Please join me as you pray. Gracious and loving God, I thank you that you are the God who has shown us how much you love us. 
that while we were sinners, Lord, you sent your son here to this earth to do for us what we could never do for ourselves. He lived in perfect obedience, then he died as the perfect sacrifice, and then he rose again, conquering both sin and death on our behalf. And you offer us the gift of eternal life and the gift of a new life if we simply come to you in faith and live by faith. So Lord, help us to put our faith into action this Christmas. Help us to love others as you have loved us. Help us to give generously, whether it be clothes that we no longer wear, even our own blood, Lord, whatever it might be. Lord, help us to be the kind of people who give of our time and our talents and our treasures to help point others to your great love for all of us. And this morning, in the midst of this pandemic, Lord, we pray for all those who are sick with COVID. We lift up the Taylor family who all have COVID. These are friends of Josie Buchanan. We pray for John Robinson as he struggles. We pray for Vonda Grantham, the central campus director here at First Pres for the Opportunity School, who's very, very ill. We pray, Lord, that you would heal Vonda. We pray for Heather Munoz, uh, who's the mom of our cook here at Opportunity School at First Pres. I pray, Lord, that you'd be with her as she's in ICU right now. Pray for the Wheeler family, the death of Jerry Wheeler from COVID. We also pray, Lord, for Jay and Susie O'Brien and the entire O'Brien family, Lord, and the death of her father, Jerry. God, we pray that you would bring comfort and peace for those who have lost loved ones. We thank you, Lord, that as we read your word, we can see that nothing can separate us from love of God that is in Christ Jesus. That those who know you, Lord, that you have gone to prepare a place for each one of them and our Heavenly Father's house where there are many rooms. And so, Lord, I thank you that our loved ones in the Lord are now with you. They've gone ahead of us in glory. I pray, Lord, that in gratitude for all that you've done for us, that we might be bold in sharing the good news of your love with others, not simply by words, but by the way that we love. Oh, Lord, help our lives reflect the great love of Christ. We pray this in the strong and precious name of, of your Son, who taught us all to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.